Hi, John Kuzma from EndzoneBlog.com's Across the Middle Show. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, we have three football topics, uh, NFL topics, that we're going to cover. And we hope that you guys uh, will listen and enjoy uh, what we're talking about. You can always partake partake in the discussion uh, with us on Twitter, at EndzoneBlogNFL. Also, check out our uh, our website, endzoneblog.com but anyway let's uh get to our first topic you know the saints keep saying they won't overwork alvin kamara but we all know that's going to change on game day you know uh the new orleans saints have been adamant that they won't put too much of uh the workload on alvin kamara's shoulders but that's going to change once the regular season gets here the saints know they have a group of players that have super bowl potential Potential in order to keep the go good momentum rolling, they'll need to rely on Kamara heavily. Those first four games without Mark Ingram suspension will be tough to deal with. Expect Kamara to be unleashed at some point, and you really can't blame Sean Payton for that. If Kamara wants to be a lead back in the NFL someday, he's going to have to rise up to expectations and be an every down player. We all know he has the speed and vision to make this happen, but the question is, can he hold up durability-wise? When you're a workhorse in the NFL, those hits start to take a toll on your body. New Orleans would like to avoid burning Alvin Kamara out, but keep in mind Ingram will eventually return to the lineup. With that in mind, there's no point in holding back with Kamara. If the Saints want to come out of those first four games with an upbeat attitude, they'll need to trust the second-year running back to make plays out of the backfield for them. A lot of the offense is going to funnel through Drew Brees anyway, so that is already going to make life easier for the Saints running backs. Once Ingram and Kamara are both available, that's when the offense has a chance to take the next step. Really, it's all about keeping this team afloat until that fifth game. You have to believe there's enough firepower on this roster to do so, and all signs are pointing upward for Nola, uh, even if Ingram will be sidelined for some pivotal moments. Expect Kamara's numbers to significantly increase as well. So basically... You know, Alvin Kamara has got to carry the load for this team in Mark Ingram's absence because, you know, Ingram's suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. You know, uh, I think, you know, they're going to run out of shotgun quite a bit. That's perfect for Alvin Kamara because he's such a scat back, great at catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, he can work those draw plays pretty well. Screen plays, he's very lethal on. So, you know, when you have Drew Brees in the passing offense is the number one option, and then Alvin Kamara playing off that, I just think uh, from a combo uh, standpoint, we saw how lethal that was last season, and really I don't see anything changing unless Kamara gets hurt. He's going to come out and be that uh, just dynamic runner who can make plenty of plays. Uh, with his feet or uh, catching the football. And there's a reason this guy was uh, the rookie of the year. It's because he has vision. He has speed. uh, He's a game breaker. You know, when you put the ball in his hands and you uh, give him space to operate, he consistently makes defenders miss. He leads it all out on the field every single game. And New Orleans got a steal when they drafted this guy i think they got him in the third round he's played uh with first round uh talent ever since suiting up for the saints and you just can't say anything bad about alvin kamara what a ball player and i don't see him slowing down anytime soon uh the next topic we have up 
The Titans defense is going to be the most important factor when it comes to their success. Head coach Mike Ravo believes that's a winning formula. You know, last year the Tennessee Titans were ranked 13th in yards surrender per game, but they were fourth overall at stopping the run. It's clear that the defensive side of the ball is Tennessee's most important facet of their football team. And it was surprising to see them double down and select two more defenders on draft night. Those guys were Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry, a pair of linebackers who are expected to combine with some of the other stars the Titans have and make one of the best front sevens of football. You have to remember this team was already loaded with Wesley Woodyard, uh, Jarrell Casey, Brian Arakpo, Daquan Jones, and Derek Morgan. By adding Evans and Landry, the goal was to get as much defensive firepower as possible and outgun teams on game day. It was quite the contrarian approach because it seemed like this franchise should have addressed their lackluster offense. However, it's such a bold course of action that it just might pan out. Opposing teams are going to have their hands full when they line up against Tennessee. We know defense wins championships, and clearly you don't have to tell Mike Rabel that because he won three Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots. This front office also signed Malcolm Butler in free agency, so Rabel isn't the only former Patriots who is heading to Nashville. All these defensive acquisitions are expected to clamp down on the high-octane offenses the league has to offer. From the sounds of it, they should be able to do so because they have a lot to work with. Really, it's going to come down to how well Vrabel can draw up plays and schemes. The personnel is there. Now the Titans need a general who can really dial it up and get the most out of their players. So... Uh, they were already good last year on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they were fourth in the league at stopping the run. They have a very good front seven, Wesley with Wesley Woodyard, Darrell Casey, Brian Arakbo, Daquan Jones, and Derek Morgan. You know, they add Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry, two very good defensive football players, two of the highly, most highly coveted defenders coming out of this past draft. Um, so you add those guys to an already talented defensive group, and it becomes off obvious that this is going to be one of the better front sevens in all football. They're going to get after it. Uh, they're going to stop the run. Uh, they're going to run, rush the passer, and all of those things are so fundamental. You got it. All starts up front with uh, controlling the line of scrimmage defensively. Um, you have to be able to rush the quarterback. You have to be able to fill gaps and uh, stop uh, those running lanes from really gashing you. Uh, and so far, it looks like the Titans are going to be good at all those things. They're going to really clamp down and be a padlock type of defense, keep points off the board, and um, give the lackluster offense, you know, Mariota and those guys really struggled last year, but they're going to get the ball back more frequently. They're going to get more opportunities, and hopefully they can respond on the offensive side of the ball by putting up more points. But I like um, Vrabel and the Titans' strategy here because all signs pointed to them continuing to address the offense. Instead, they said, you know what, we're going to double down and make sure our defense is one of the best in the league. Um, that's a great formula for success. You know, uh, some of the best defenses uh, usually end up winning Super Bowls. We've seen it time and time again throughout the history of the National Football League. And clearly, Mike Vrabel had his sights on that uh, type of philosophy when he started to build this team. I just think they're so deep on that side of the ball that offenses are going to have a nightmare when they match up with the Tennessee Titans, you know, I could see them regressing and take it, taking a step back. 
Um, but maybe this defense comes up big and they actually get better. You never know. I I think, you know, they have some serious offensive problems, but at the same time, defensively, they're so good that that could end up bailing them out. Uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is the LaShawn McCoy situation. Uh, today, or yesterday, I should say, um, LaShawn McCoy had a very uh, concerning uh you know, news update. Basically, his ex-girlfriend came out and took all these pictures of her beat up and said that LaShawn McCoy did it. Um, She later changed her story and said that their house got robbed. I think it was in Georgia. And uh, the home invaders beat her up and took all her money. Um, It's a crazy story because Apparently, uh, LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend's friend posted this post on Instagram. It really started to go viral and pick up and get covered by all the news outlets. But we're still waiting for the facts to come out. But if it's if it's true, definitely not a good look for LaShawn McCoy and his career could be over. But there's something about it that feels like it's uh, a false allegation. It seems like... Uh, his ex-girlfriend is trying to um, damage him somehow, get a little fame by doing so, and uh, trying to maybe get a payday, uh, a cash grab from all this. Um, we just live in that era where people have no uh, decency when it comes to making false allegations. They don't care. They're all about themselves. They don't care who they harm and who gets caught up in uh you know, the storm of everything. Um, now, if uh, LaShawn McCoy did do it, obviously it's a very ugly situation. He deserves to be punished. Maybe uh, he shouldn't ever suit up again for any team. Um, but there's just something about it that feels off. Um, like I said, her story has already changed. First she said LaShawn McCoy did it. Now she's saying um, some home invaders did it. It sounds like she's trying to make it out to seem like uh, LaShawn McCoy paid uh, a group of uh, people to come in and beat her up. I just don't understand why LaShawn McCoy needs to do something like that. He he has all the leverage in the situation. He's the rich, powerful guy. Um, he doesn't need to go around sending hits to beat people up because he's paid. He He's a very powerful person probably a future Hall of Fame player. Uh, I just don't understand why he would uh, make a decision like that that would jeopardize everything. Now, that doesn't mean he hasn't done it. We've seen you know, Aaron Hernandez, uh, for example, kill people while he was a professional football player, ultimately get charged with uh, murder, thrown into jail. So it's not like football players are... Um, uh, above making these decisions because we see guys screw up every single year. We've seen plenty of black eyes throughout this league and uh, people who've made just some heinous decisions. I just feel like Shady McCoy is smarter than that. I, I, he has everything in the world going for him right now. He had to understand that if he made a decision like that, it would destroy everything. Maybe he wasn't thinking, but... Uh, I, I just have a hard time believing it. Something about this story doesn't feel right. She also said he's a big-time drug user, also a steroid user. Um, 
I don't know. We'll see. It's a situation where the investigation is still playing out. We have to wait for all the facts to get released. Let the police force do their job and get to the bottom of everything and then uh, make our own conclusions about everything that's transpired. Everybody on Twitter and the Internet is just jumping to conclusions and writing Shady off or saying she is uh, uh, making it all up, you know, I guess, you know, I'm saying it seems like she made it all up, but, you know, let's really wait and see how everything plays out before we really uh, decide how we're going to uh, look at LaShawn McCoy moving forward. Just an unfortunate situation for both sides, you know, regardless of who did it, it's terrible that this girl got beat up. You know, I saw her pictures, very beautiful girl. Um, not that that matters. Even if she wasn't a beautiful girl, she doesn't deserve to be beat up. But uh, regardless, just a terrible situation that she had to go through that. And terrible that uh, Shady McCoy is being blamed for all of it. So hopefully everything resolves itself. Uh, the last thing you want to see in the NFL uh, is something like this happen. Um Everybody's attacking the National Football League saying that, you know, uh, they're domestic abusers and bad guys. But remember, when you say things like that, you uh, misjudge all the people in the National Football League who are good human beings. And I promise you, the majority of those guys are good guys. You know, it's so easy to believe the narrative that all these guys beat their girlfriends up. They're all scumbags. And that that couldn't be further than the truth. That's actually just a very small group of NFL players who give the rest of the league a bad name. And um, the guys who aren't doing anything wrong really get a bad rap when a few of these bad apples do make these mistakes. So hopefully... We can uh, start to appreciate the good guys in the league. And when you say you want to boycott the league because of uh, actions like LaShawn McCoy or Ray Rice or whatever, remember there's a lot of good people in this league, not even just the players, the coaches, the workers, the staff, the upper upper management. They're all affected by this when you say you want to boycott the NFL or – uh, whatever it is you want to do, destroy the league. So try not to be so drastic. I know a lot of people are frustrated with uh, a lot of the things that go on um, under the NFL's umbrella, but uh, there's a lot of good people that get punished when you you know you take it a, a little bit too far. You know I'm John Kuzma. That's all I got for today. I appreciate you guys listening. Check out endzoneblog.com. Also check out our Twitter at endzoneblognfl. I appreciate it. Have a great day.